What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA Show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes... You know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Chicago everywhere, check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. I saw Cerruti and Silo talking about uh, the lateness of these games, right? And uh, I say it like this, you know, you guys are out here torturing yourselves. Uh, once the Golden State Warriors go on some kind of run, you can go ahead and put it to bed just like they do the game, to be honest with you. Hey, let me tell you all something right now. I sat there and I was like, hey, all right, I'm going to watch this game. You know, I know I know the, the Chicago baseball angles I'm going to take, but let me let me get this game in before I hang out with my guys and, and do what we have to do. Around 7.42 left in the third quarter when the Golden State Warriors went on that, because it's different going on the Klay Thompson run than it is the Steph Curry run. The Steph Curry run, you're like, oh my God, he's pulling up from 45. What are we supposed to do? He's going behind the back. He's making all of our bigs look ridiculous. We have to take him off the floor. Not just take him off the floor, we got to release him like we can't even have him in the sport anymore when clay goes on his run it's like okay all right this is <laughs> y'all not gonna be able to deal with two of these motherfuckers so you're gonna go ahead and shut it down you had jared vanderbilt running all over the place he he diving on things he looked like he looked like a uh, like like a like you know one of those cartoon like um cats that come to save the day but he keeps running into another obstacle and he blows up and then he puts his face into a garbage can and the garbage can blow like jared vanderbilt was like hey y'all uh, I'm not going to be able to do this all by myself. <laughs> and LeBron on defense was like, don't look at me, motherfucker. <laughs> hey, this is the other thing, too. LeBron moving with that sense of force and that sense of energy used to matter so much more. Like, like, like the Golden State Warriors are like, you know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to let the old guy think that he is absolutely out here killing us, okay? Yeah, that's crazy. The game plan, let LeBron score. <laughs> Hey, man, hey, y'all already know people have already chided me for the last decade about, you know, my appreciation for LeBron, all these other things. If y'all have been listening at all, I have been a realist about this entire thing. Enjoy it while you can, because the man's turbo button ain't what it used to be. 
Like this is the first year or whatever we that we've seen him not get any MVP votes and rightfully so, I guess. But yeah, LeBron, the moment that game tipped off, you saw the way LeBron was moving and with how much force and like energy and purpose he was moving with. Yeah, the jump shot wasn't falling in the beginning, but you're like, oh, okay, I've seen this before. But that's the thing. We have seen it before and it means something different or it matter a little bit differently. But that thing, boy, that, that Golden State Warriors thing, if, if Steph is doing it, it's a whole different ball of wax than when Clay is getting it. Because when Clay is getting it, that means <laughs> that means go ahead and go ahead and wrap this puppy up. And who'd have thought J. Michael Green would be the <laughs> the the advantage that you didn't know you needed, right? Like it's, it's like Anthony Davis saw Kevon Looney and was like, oh yeah, he ain't gonna score at all. I'm gonna make this matchup look ridiculous. Go out there and get 30 and 20. J. Michael Green steps on the court though. <laughs> Anthony's like, wait, hold, hold yeah, on, hold yeah. on. Y'all got a big that's not gonna touch the paint either. Oh no, 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 no. Time out. Hey, hey. Come get me. No, I know it's halftime. Come get me. I was super (laughs) disappointed watching AD play today. I'm like, yo, come on, man. Like, literally, if he played as aggressively and in the paint, painted area like he did in game one, they could probably sweep the Warriors. But you never know. He'd be Bill Russell. Yeah. He'd be Bill Russell, Tony. <laughs> if, if he was the dude that everyone thinks he should be all the time. Like, like y'all be, I'm sorry, man. I, I know AD probably sitting there at the crib sometimes and they're like, hey, y'all, hey, I, I would like more out of me too. Y'all like, like, I'm not pressing the button out here. You know, like I'm like I'm holding something in reserve for like the, the celebrity all-star games after I retire. This is Anthony Davis. The man is six foot ten, got a seven-two wingspan, can knock down shots from deep, can get out in transition, can lead the break if you ask for, can can control the paint defensively. This man was on a Kentucky team where they didn't really realize he was the best player on the squad to damn near the final four. It was like Eric Bledsoe and all these other dudes like, hey, uh, the number one pick is back here. If y'all, uh, if y'all are noticing, his entire career has been that way. Like, I'm tired of us asking things of people who be like, hey, man, you, you think I'm not asking that of myself? Like, hold on. Let me see how much Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis in a whopping 33 minutes tonight ended up with 11.7 rebounds, four assists, three blocks, four turnovers, and three fouls for a negative 22 plus minus. Okay? Like, this whole, hey, that's why I don't do it as much as everybody else does it. Like, well, they get a healthy AD. Well, guess what? <laughs> Looks healthy to me. <laughs> like, averages are an average for a reason, right? He got, what, 30 and 23 in the first game? He's like, if he could be this kind of, if he could be this kind of Anthony Davis, we wouldn't be talking about LeBron the way we talk about him like he's 29 years old. LeBron is 38 years old. And we, I was talking to my man, George, about this my man George Dozier because ever since KD you know like he's the biggest I won't say the biggest Kevin Durant fan that I know but he's a big Kevin Durant fan it's my man 50 grand right and we've talked about it we've had it kind of like not a friendly rivalry about the two players but you know I chide him every once in a while about KD and you know what's happened at the end of this run here but we have this unrealistic ass expectations of play. Like I remember as a kid in this business talking about guys playing for 20 years. Right. And Kevin Garnett was the first guy who kind of like got close to that in terms of not being Robert Parrish or James Buddha Edwards at the end of one of these benches where you're like, all right, he's played for 20. Like Kevin Willis. Right. Shout out to Kevin Willis. Still probably the strongest man to ever play in the NBA. I don't want him whooping my ass at this ripe old age of whatever he is right now. But like guys who use Vince Carter, right? Vince Carter playing 20 years. And it's like, man, he's older than Trey Young and he's on the team with him. And we sit there and act like LeBron James isn't doing the same thing. It just looks different because it's not supposed to be this way. We're watching LeBron James get 25, six rebounds, and, and, and five assists and be like, oh, you know, he's, he's truly lost his day. He's in his 20th year. Like, if we were talking about this thing the way we're supposed to, then this would be a totally different equation. We'd be talking about Anthony Davis doing what he's supposed to do on a more regular basis. But now, nah, man, that one tweak, Kevon Looney, and not having to guard him and the amount of energy that you get to, um, uh, the, the expenditure of energy, not even the amount, like when you do it, when you press the button, that's a whole different ball game where you got to go out there and say, okay, I'm only going to guard three guys that are shooting the ball tonight. 
as opposed to four. It's a big difference. That one swing makes a huge. We saw it with the Bulls all year long, last two years, right? We see that swing swing ends up in Javante Green's hands or Alex Caruso's hands or somebody that you're not used to shooting the basketball or want to shoot the basketball. That now that swing has ended up in LeBron's hands. And then and, and they're like, yo, hey, we'll live with it. We'll live with it. So uh Darvin, hey, now this is the fun part, right? Chris, Chris and I was talking a little bit before before we jumped on here, the in pre-pro. This is the fun part. You get to find out what you're about in the series, right? I, 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 that's the reason why I love NBA playoffs. Oh, it's, it's the great, chess man. match. It's a chess it's match. Okay, I can't. You beat me in game one. I came back with this tweak. Now, how are you going to respond to that tweak? Because it's not just about you know. Oh, I got to play harder. Of course, you want to play as hard as you can on and at this time and period of the game. But it, you really see who's out here coaching, coaching. You know, for real, on a, on a on a high level to get the most out of their roster and who's been preparing for this through the regular season. Yeah, man i I have always enjoyed talking about playoff basketball with guys, especially like um, rotation guys, right? Because you know we've been around them, Tony, where it's like stars, like, "Hey, man, just be good," <laughs> and then we're like, "All right, thanks for the analysis," and then you, you know what I mean? you go on with your day. Like, hey, just be better at basketball, like I was. But then when you talk to these dudes who played on these championship squads, who were rotational guys, who had to kind of think the game differently, who had to feel the game differently. Man, you talk to some of these cats, like, got a chance to host with Malik Rose on NBA radio back in the day, and, he, you know, this is a dude who's been a part of championship runs, and the psyche of players, and understanding what you are going... Like, I remember him talking about Kevin Garnett, and him understanding that the personal um, rivalry, or how personal Kevin Garnett took the matchup, matchups against Tim Duncan, Greg Popovich would take advantage of. So, if I know that at the end of this game, Kevin Garnett's going to look at their box score and be like, hey, did I go head up with Tim Duncan? That means he's going to stay attached to him. That means shooters that are on Tim Duncan's side are going to get better looks because Kevin Garnett's making sure that Tim Duncan doesn't score on him, as opposed to the team scoring on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like, these are the little things. It's not just, okay, Okay, this is what this guy does and go at his left elbow. It's the little the little things that you pick up throughout a series or the fact that your coach has more experience than the other guy. Like, don't get it twisted. Darvin Ham being in this position is a lot different making the suggestions as opposed to making the decisions. And the coaching staffs that he has been on before, I'm sure he's had to, you know, keep his mouth shut and be like, ah, I would have done this a little bit. There. Well, now in these moments, here it is. Like J. Michael Green is now starting. Kevon Looney is a little banged up. They have the option now of going at you like, you know, a, a team, a football team that don't know which quarterback is going to start for the other squad because it changes everything. Like the fact that they didn't have to secure the offensive glass the way they needed to and the, the difference that you saw in terms of how they had to scramble on the perimeter with the one change, one change in, in Kevon Looney as opposed to J. Michael Green. J. Michael Green can knock down a shot. We all know this, but we knew that the glass had to be taken care of versus that that lineup because they, they lost to a similar death lineup like one of those small Golden State patented lineups before. And, and what happened in this game? The rebounding advantage, 42 to 40. I'm sorry. No, it was 55 to 40. I was just looking at the defensive rebounds, 55 to 40 for the uh, Golden State Warriors. So if I'm controlling the glass, I'm getting more shots up and I have a lineup that's more versatile with shooting. Well, <laughs> if you give me good enough looks, which this is the other thing, like, your back is broken against this squad. Like, we've seen it too many times over the last, you know, almost decade now where if Steph gets going, if Clay gets going, they start moving a little differently. They don't even need Draymond to do anything but be a connector in terms of passing. Like, Draymond had a nice game. He had 11 points, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists, but he he wasn't necessary. Like, he only took one three-pointer. So it was only one situation where the ball ended up in his hands where he had an open enough look that it would have been selfish if he hadn't have taken the shot. So, like, these are the things, man. These are the little things. And now, guess what? They still have in their back pocket because no matter how you feel about game one, Jordan Poole hit a lot of shots for them. He had an awful lot of shots for them. He just took one at the end that was a little questionable. He played 16 minutes in this game. 16, right? I mean, they, they played it perfectly. They, they, they made sure they took the heat off of one guy by picking him up in the next game. 
you know, not making him the focal point, not having to have him in too many key possessions because one, they didn't need him and two, they get to cover for him for a game. Now Jordan Poole could go out and have the quote unquote Jordan Poole game of this series, even though he might have had it in the first game. So like, these are the things that I, I appreciate. These are the things that we have been watching in this city for years and years and years. That's why I was so thirsty to get back to it. Relevant basketball is, is um, I won't say it's better than any other sport, but there's a fulfillment level that you get once you realize not only do you have the squad, but you have the tactician at the helm to kind of tweak things and tweak rotations and force lineups on the other side. Like the, the, the question now will be for Darvin Ham, what are you going to force the Golden State Warriors to do at home now that makes them uncomfortable? Because if anything, right now, I'm, I'm looking at that lineup thinking to myself, they're feeling so comfortable with themselves that not only can Kevon Looney get uh, healthier, you know, with with the, the minutes low that he had, what, 12 minutes, right? They they now pose a threat that anytime you see J. Michael Green out there on that court with them, you're going to be thinking about what they did in game two and how dangerous he is. Now that, that, that you know, that pump fake game and moving one pass or, or two passes over to Claire Steph is even that much more deadly because guys made shots and not only made shots, they were able to live with that lineup as long as they did. So, yeah, man, it's gonna it's gonna be once again on Anthony Davis, once again on on LeBron James. But this is this is why we're here. The, the Lakers did what they had to do by taking that first game, obviously. But the Golden State Warriors and Steve Kerr and you know I I over the years have not I won't say questioned. Not the importance of Steve Kerr, but all but wondered what the changes that that could be and would be made offensively, because a lot of people who have covered that team, you know, over the last half a decade or so, have have questioned a lot of the things that Steve Kerr has done. Well, this Jim Michael Green part is on the win side, you know, that's on the the, the left ledger for him in terms of moves. Now it's up to Darvin Ham and, and sitting watching that game. I mean, you know, even with the the. The uh, news of Mike Budenholzer being fired in, in Milwaukee with what, like a 69% winning percentage, the highest in Bucks history. Like it, it is a, it is a thin line between expectations and reality. And the Milwaukee Bucks know what their expectations are. You know, they can't blame it on Chris Middleton's health. Two years ago, if they could have, they probably would have got rid of, uh, of Mike Budenholzer, but they won a championship. Like, it's that finicky, man. It's that finicky. So when we talk about champ, best player on the champion like we did a couple of pods ago, or we talk about, like, what a coach can do, it is a very, very, very um, slippery slope in terms of what moves a person should make or a team should make or how good a team truly is. Like, these two teams in the Western Conference semifinals right now feel like they have a legit shot at the finals if they get past one another because of what they don't know about the Denver Nuggets. Now, maybe they'll find out, right? Like, right now, it's looking like the Nuggets are sitting back, like, just waiting for everybody to be done and get invited to their invitational, especially with a guy like Giannis out, especially with a guy like Joel Embiid hobbled. Um, I'm not the biggest believer in the Boston Celtics, even though, you know, uh, a couple of days ago, if you'd asked me, I'd have said to myself, all right, feels like it's going to be the the Lakers and the Celtics in the, in the finals to me, just because I don't know what the Denver Nuggets will be in that moment. But right now, like, the Denver Nuggets are looking at everybody like, when are y'all ready for, to challenge us? Like, when are y'all ready to play basketball against us? Because you just, the only thing is, only thing is the unknown right now that's holding you back. Because if you were looking at everybody and say, who's playing the best basketball far and away, it's the Denver Nuggets. But this thing is, uh, this thing is entertaining. And I know Bulls fans who've been staying up to watch these games, like, this is the stuff we're yearning for. These are the moments that we want to be upset about the next day and the rotations or guys missing a shot or like coming down to a turnover that you think that really broke some teams back in the third quarter. Like this is the fun part. This is why to me, the all-star game nods and all these awards and all this other stuff, like they only matter so much. Like we've experienced too much as a fandom or a fan base of a certain age to to uh, require or expect anything less. Yeah, I mean, you, you also when you watch the specifically the level of play, right, of this game with Golden State and uh, how Denver Nuggets have been playing this entire playoffs, you recognize what the level of basketball you need to be at. Uh, as a team and as an organization to get in these conversations and get in these opportunities. Um, the, this current 
way of Bulls basketball, it's just not going to cut it. Like, it's just not going to cut it. If, like, you know, Miami, they had, you know, their struggles, but they got the dude, right? They got Jimmy that's going to kind of power their way through uh, a lot of the stuff that they go through. So that's that's very specific. But the level of team basketball where people start like, oh, no, they championship ready right now. You got to start looking around like, okay, what are the pieces that the Bulls have to contribute to to that level of basketball play? And it's kind of tough to see that right now for a Bulls fan. Yeah. No nah, man, it's um, it's <laughs> it's a, it's a wild time because right now the NBA and the Eastern Conference, especially, are I won't say up for grabs, but this is you know this is um, in a good way, this is like an unstable time for the NBA in terms of like not knowing what's next, you know, post LeBron and. And, and, you know, this level of parity where you've got five, six teams that truly believe they can win the championship. I'm all about it. Right. But what you want to do if you're the Bulls, <laughs> especially if you're a Bulls fan watching this, is you want to get settled before the concrete settles for real. Like you want to know where your lot in life is before these, th- like before Zion figures out his health, before the Memphis Grizzlies get their act together in the West. And then especially in the East, like, who knows what that Philadelphia situation is going to look like two years from now? You know, Boston, I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are a terrific duo. And everybody this year and last year as well, especially because they made it to the finals, was like, well, you know, everybody wanted to split them up. And look, it works. And I think sometimes they get in each other's way so much that they cap the um, the the results of that, what that team should be. Right. And then you've got Marcus Smart, who thinks he belongs in that triumvirate when it's really just, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum and the rest of the team. Like that, 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 that Boston Celtics thing is, um, is shaky at best, if, if we're being honest about it. Because the way we talk about Anthony Davis, I think two years from now, three years from now, not just because of the, the availability factor, because I think Tatum is available at a far greater clip, but. You know, we, we have those games where we're like, hey, uh, did Jason Tatum know he was the best player on the court tonight? Or was this just one of those, I'm I'm just not going to go as hard as I usually go nights? Or is this one of those, I'm taking all the bad shots because I studied under Kobe nights, right? Like, there are still those questions that are being had about Jason Tatum. So, as a Bulls fan, I'm sitting here in the cut like, hey, man, the All-Star games and the, the All-NBA defensive team nods are cute and all, but let's... Let's figure out what we're going to war with here while the, the Eastern Conference and the NBA as a whole is kind of up for grabs right now because the league's going to be like this for about a good three years. And then something y'all know, something's going to happen. Some player's going to get upset with this current situation and join up with somebody else. And next thing you know, you got yourself, I won't say another super team because I think we're seeing those things go by the wayside, to be honest with you. Like, there's only so many Lucas and Kyries that you could pair up before you're thrashing the, the underpinning and foundation of your organization and not getting much for it, right? Like, I think, I think owners are going to look at these last two years of paying guys to not play and, and, and guys teaming up to get failed results to, to start to think, okay, maybe just maybe we should draft the players that are going to be here a long time and develop those guys. Like, that's why Bulls fans were so excited about Arturis Karnaschovas, let's be honest about it. It was the Denver ties and seeing what he put together there. And then the moment Nikola Vucevic, the trade happened, that was on the table, all the development talk and all the drafting talk kind of got thrown out of the window and you expected better results at a, at a faster clip. Lonzo Ball gets hurt and who, who thought at the time that Lonzo Ball would be as important as he was, but you know, it's happened already. Like, these things have happened. It's time to move on. And on top of it, you have the luxury tax conversations and, and only being able to add mid-level exemption players. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. So you're figuring out your house while everybody is, you know, k- getting top dollar for, for renovating and, and flipping theirs. Like, Bulls need to renovate and flip right now. Like, and they can't. <laughs> they can't. Because <laughs> they still got their bum-ass kid living in the basement who don't want to move out. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> that's the vibe right now. Like, you seeing everybody else moving out and, you know, the, the, the empty nesters moving the floor with all that money they flipped from the house that they lived in in this cold weather for 30 years. And you just sitting there with your bum-ass kid in the basement that don't want to move out because he can't get his life together. Damn it. I want to move to Florida and have some championship sunshine on my face. Like, that's what I want. 
That's the kind of fan that I'm yearning to be. I'm trying, you know, look, like, look, think about these fans that get to put it on cruise control, like Miami Heat fans. Like, what did Miami Heat fans deserve to get this, huh? Where they go, <laughs> they get Shaq <laughs> to pair with Dwayne Wade. They get the refs during the Mavs Heat series to call every foul. Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade went to the free throw line like 48 times in a six-game series against the Mavs and Dirk Nowitzki. What did, that, what did Miami do to deserve this? Huh? <laughs> Bimbo Coles and Ronnie Cycli ain't enough of a pittance to pay to get to go and get Shaq and Dwayne Wade, and then all of a sudden, the greatest player of his generation want to come down there and make the 14th market in the country look like Hollywood. Huh? Like what? What? What did that? And meanwhile, back at the lab. I'm at the crib, you know, I can't make too much noise and have nobody over because my bum-ass son is in the basement. <laughs> I, can't, I can't move this piece of shit house so I can go get some of that, that Miami sunshine on my face. There it is. I just broke it down for everybody out there who didn't understand the basketball terms was happening with the Bulls. Got a kid in the basement who don't want to get a job. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors... This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, you want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Our tourist car show is in its fucking secret extension. The further we get into this thing, uh, the more I think uh, we might have got uh, bamboozled. <laughs> Like, we always like to give people credit for, like, oh, they're quiet. They're keeping things close. They're playing things close to the vest. Uh, maybe because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. That's why. <laughs> Jason, you know, me and, uh, me, and, me and Rob Schaefer, we got a secret saying for any uh, Step Brothers fan. Uh, that scene where they go to the interview with tuxedos on. And I'm like, man, those tuxedos seem pretty messed up now. Like, initially it was cool, but now those tuxedos seem pretty messed up. And that's that's, that's kind of our secret language about uh, what we think the, the bulls are up to. I'm like, yeah, that was kind of cool. You know, the quiet and shark-like moves. And I'm like, do they know what they do? <laughs> At the year-end press conference, it's just silence, and then you just hear <laughs> a silent whistle, and you're like, did you just fart? <laughs> like, what is that? Am I tasting bananas and onions? <laughs> yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> that's fucked up. You should, you should probably leave. <laughs> so you'll call us, right? <laughs> oh, shout out to Step Brothers. That's one of those movies where you're like, all right, let me see, let me see if women still don't have a sense of humor and you just throw it on. <laughs> this is the test. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, ah, okay, cool. It's still intact. <laughs> that means it's still funny. Okay, man. Well, anyway, see, that's one of the funniest movies ever. I love Step Brothers. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Like, there's, there's certain things we're just never going to see eye on, eye on and, and those kinds of movies are it. And it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, if you ever watch Tropic Thunder with a lady and she's Tropic like dying, Thunder. Yeah, yes. she's dying laughing, you're like, all right, well, the, the movie's not even, it's funny any longer. Like, it's just, <laughs> we have we have gotten to the next point in our evolution where y'all think that funny things are funny now. Like, now we got to take it back to the, to the lab as men because, <laughs> because I know. Like, my lady sends me a whole bunch of TikToks. Like, she sent me a TikTok with a baby answering uh, Black history questions. <laughs> it was this white mom and white baby, and she, like, wanted to celebrate, like, Black history, and she started answering black history questions and I'm like I, I knew why she said it to me because she thought it was cute or whatever and I'm just sitting there like ah racism is fixed because babies on TikTok want to talk about black history <laughs> like that's the I knew she didn't see the humor in it that I saw in it so I just left it alone I didn't say anything but yeah man it's like it's like the Dr. Dre chronic album is the way that I ch- 
check my speakers. Like if you can, mm-hmm. if you can hear everything that you want to need to hear sonically, then you got a good set of speakers. <laughs> like <laughs> Tropic Thunder and like <laughs> Step Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Like you throw those on and you just you just look at your person and be like, okay, it's still funny. All right, all right. The relationship <laughs> calibrator. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? She said she's sending Jason the the, 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 the white people talking about Black History. Jason <laughs> sending back what's the wildest thing you ever done without your parents knowing? <laughs> right, right, exactly, right, right, exactly. I'm sending her dirty street confessions. Right, She's, right. <laughs> we meet somewhere in the middle with the fucking Unity Kente cloth candles, the Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> I remember she bought those joints, boy. She 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 knew, she should have known though. Like she should have known who she was fucking with. She came in there and lit the candle. It was it was like a Juneteenth candle or some shit like that. And I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> we should pardon them selling niggas because they putting kente cloth on candles now. Like, <laughs> look how easy they get us. <laughs> That's how they got us on the boat the first time. <laughs> <laughs> smells like Africa right. and, and prosperity. <laughs> smells like freedom in here. <laughs> Is it Amistad? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what would freedom smell like? What, what, what does freedom smell like? <laughs> uh, fucking, apparently a Toyota thon. <laughs> Come get a fucking Highlander for your ancestors' misery. <laughs> yeah, like we pretty, we pretty. Uh, just wait to they, they, they've been testing it these last few Juneteenths. Oh, you know, selling this fucking ice cream and candles and all this other. Wait till, wait till like four years from now when they do the Juneteenth, when we about to do the Cinco de Mayo. And yeah, I'm talking to y'all. I believe this part in, by the way, because leave this part in because all of y'all tomorrow that's about to run around with sombreros on and shit and, and drinking tequila and, and, and margaritas and taco me by the way I'm talking about me but all of y'all out there that's about to engage in all of this man enjoy because four years from now when Juneteenth looks like what it's gonna look like I just say <laughs> and then I looked around and there was no one left just remember Okay, just remember. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm talking to you, brother, who's driving, laughing his ass off right now. I'm talking to you. (laughs) When y'all see, you know, when y'all see laptops going on sale with like, you know, struggle freedom symbols, like (laughs) he's had the chains. Yeah, (laughs) he got the wrist shackled, and then they break free, and then all of a sudden you get 25 (laughs) percent off a MacBook. It's your black ass that ruined this for everybody. I'm just letting y'all know out there, (laughs) white folks. uh, This one's on us. (laughs) We allowed this. I'm telling you, they about to Cinco de Mayo, Juneteenth. <laughs> and I'm just going to be sitting back, just shaking my head like the old black man I wanted to be since I was 17 years old. <laughs> like, I can't believe you motherfuckers let them do this. <laughs> but where can I get some cheats for 50% off, though? <laughs> you motherfuckers out here going to be buying mattresses, all types of wild shit. You just wait. You just wait. <laughs> Bed, bath, and emancipation. Right, right. Oh, right. I, I can't. No, nothing eases pain like a fucking buy one, get one free sale. Man, <laughs> if we're not getting these reparations, if there's once a year where all the black folks get 50% off of everything, I'm definitely participating. They ain't gonna do shit but give us 50% off of fucking flaming hots and Newports. They ain't about to give us, give us 50% off these fucking loans. How about that? How about that? Right, right. right. <laughs> Make it easiest for for us to get houses instead of diabetes, motherfuckers. How about that? You sons of bitches. <laughs> I don't even know who I'm talking to right now because it started by us talking to us. So <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? <laughs> we didn't have to talk about the White Sox. <laughs> Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, 
inventory, HR, and more. 25. That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. Coming up next on The Full Go Podcast, we get a chat with the NFL contracts and salary cap expert and writer for CBSSports.com. He is Joel Corey. He is the guy that I go to for all of my uh, financial uh, and and yearning agent information that we have about not only the Chicago Bears draft, but the quarterback market, what it's going to look like going forward, not just with Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, but of course with Justin Fields, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and some of the other positional things that we talked about, Roquan Smith versus Tremaine Edmonds and what Ryan Poles had to say about that value at that position. So we got a lot to talk about with Joe Corey. Listen to it next right here on the Full Go Podcast. How you doing, brother? Pretty good. How you doing? Oh, man, I can't complain, man. It's good to see you. Glad you uh, had a couple of minutes for us, man. I appreciate you so much. Sure, no problem. Uh, we are always recording here on the Full Go Podcast. We can go right into it and jump right on. Um, so, Joel, once again, always good to have you on the show. Uh, I have... Uh, Managed to drag Joel Corey from platform to platform that I have been on. He has been nice enough to jump on in several different spots for me, and now he's on the full go with us. Joel, I, I want to talk to you about what Bears fans are thinking about right now, and it's not just what's happening in the wide receiver room, and we'll get to some of the draft, but Justin Fields. It's a huge year for Justin Fields, as everybody knows. You know, you got kind of got to declare where you're going to go with this thing after Justin Fields' season this year. And looking at the Jalen Hurts deals, looking at the Lamar Jackson deals, is a lot of conversation about Joe Burrow and and Justin Herbert, but what can be gleaned for Bears fans as to where that number might be if he fulfills the potential that a lot of people in this city and in that management group think he has? Well, don't forget this time last year that a lot of people were thinking, well, if Jalen Hurts doesn't play well, the Eagles have all the draft capital, but then go get another quarterback. He took a quantum leap forward. I don't know if Justin Fields can take that same leap forward. But he looks like he's the guy. You're going to be over $50 million per year. He's got weapons now. He's got DJ Moore. That's a legitimate number one receiver. Uh, You went out and proved the offensive line. Nate Davis in free agency. Uh, Darnell Wright, you took him in the draft for your first pick, 10th overall. Um, You got an intriguing running back. Um, I like Roshan Johnson as the backup to B. John Robinson. Um, In addition, again, down to Foreman. So there are more weapons. And you got another tight end, Robert Tanya. So there's no reason for him to fail. If he does fail, it could be like Mitchell Trubisky. You don't pick up the fifth-year option. If he progresses, you're going to be probably over $50 million per year. Um, you got two deals which could exceed Lamar Jackson, $52 million per year before the regular season starts. In Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, I don't know how far they're going to take it. Forward, um, Hertz was only a 1% increase over Aaron Rodgers. And... Lamar Jackson was a 2% increase or less than two, right under two over Hertz. So that's incremental increases when in the past you've seen four, five, six, seven, eight percent increases over the highest paid player. I don't know if anyone gets to 55, but if you have Rodgers over 50, you have Hertz, um, Jackson, Burrow, Herbert all over 50, then you're going to have to pay uh, Justin Fields over 50. <laughs> 
And then also well, you're going to have uh, two other guys who could be over 50. Dak Prescott, as long as he isn't throwing the ball to the wrong team next year, <laughs> he's, got, <laughs> he's got a cap number of close to 60 million and the dead <laughs> money is almost 62. He'll be in the last year of his contract. They can't, he's got a no trade clause. And he's got a no franchise tag clause. So he's got a ton of leverage. And Trevor Lawrence, mm. that's the one I'd worry about. Jacksonville should win that division because that division is, is weak down. <laughs> they should run away with it. He made huge steps forward with Doug Peterson. He looks like the first overall pick. If that continues, he's going to get a monster deal. So we all know when we see these huge numbers and we're like, oh, man, Patrick Mahomes got a half a billion dollars and, and Lamar Jackson is looking for that fully guaranteed deal. And shout out to Jimmy Haslam and Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns for messing up all the owner's plans over the last couple of years. Yeah, shout out to Dave Mulligetta for taking yeah, advantage oh, shout of that situation. Out to Dave. Yeah, shout out to him. Yeah, man. Like every time I go to his Instagram, he looking cleaner and cleaner, boy. I'm like, hey, somebody's smiling on you and that somebody is the NFL owners. Right? You got to remember how this happened. Happened. Cleveland yeah, had been eliminated from had been eliminated from consideration that it was really down to the Saints and the Falcons. Cleveland was already out. And it was basically, how do we get back in? And it's like they did pulled out their watch. Well, let's get it done. Well, let's get it done. Well, let's get it done. <laughs> well, again, knew he had all the leverage. And he's like, give me phone guaranteed contract. He got one. The stars were aligned. He took advantage of, a, of the situation perfectly. You are going to have to see another quarterback go the uh, Kirk Cousins route in mm. order to get a fully guaranteed contract. He played on two franchise tags, hit the open market, got one. Burrow's not getting one. They don't do traditional guarantees in contracts, so that'll be a big win for him to get traditional guarantees. The Chargers family-run business, they don't have the cash to stick in escrow under the funding rules to give Herbert a fully guaranteed contract. So it's not coming anytime soon. Owners successfully staved this off by the Ravens holding the line of Lamar. Nobody else helped him out. I knew Kyler Murray wasn't getting one, family-run business. The guy I thought may have dropped the ball was Russell Wilson. The ownership group had changed when he did the deal. Deep, deep pockets, Walmart money for Rob Walton and that ownership group. He could have pushed for one, given all the draft capital they gave up to get him. In hindsight, they probably wish they'd waited to do the deal and let him play out last year. And then this year would have been a contract and they could have walked away. Nonetheless, he's at $49 million per year, but didn't get a fully guaranteed contract. Nobody else has one. I don't see one coming down the pike anytime soon. You know, I, I think it's very important that we accentuate and, and emphasize what you just mentioned just now, because we, we think of this thing as like there being 32 McDonald's franchises and everybody's got the same dough and you could just spread it around. And, you know, because it's, it's one big group, one big private industry. And it's like, no, family run business versus corporations and the money that you had, like you mentioned, I have to stick in S grow like there are certain teams where you like if you're the Raiders or one of these other squads where it's like hey man I'm, I do not have because what did you have to be like what you got to be like a billion dollars liquid to even mess around and jump into one of these organizational you know um, you know uh, bids so uh, how how do agents and players look at what the the ownership group has in tow as opposed to what I deserve and what the market should bear because the market is the market and if you're if your team isn't rolling in the dough like that, then, you know, how, and also how does the players union look at it? Like, Hey, you, we don't want these things to go backwards now. So, you know, you better push for as much as you possibly can screw what that family has to go through. Like how do how do you negotiate and navigate those waters? Well, the player association, from my understanding was helping advise Lamar Jackson and they were kind of behind the whole full guaranteed contract push. Now, from an agent, he has incentive to get a deal done because he's paid on a commission. So he's only going to have so much resistance to Can't it. Eat that ring. <laughs> Cousins kind of backed into it. Um, the commanders, when he was franchised the first time, lowballed. So he had no decision to make except playing the franchise tag. My understanding is, same time around, they had preliminary discussions. The agent didn't like where they were going, could tell this is going nowhere. They gave him an offer. He never responded and was like, I'm going to play this thing out. And he and Cousins made a conscious decision to leave a little money on the table to try to advance the ball for the fully guaranteed contract. Back then, two quarterbacks dropped the ball. The Atlanta Falcons held the line with Matt Ryan. He was next. They gave him the most fully guaranteed at signing, not a fully guaranteed contract. 
Then Aaron Rodgers went next. He went from it went from thirty mil from twenty eight million per year with Cousins to thirty with Ryan to thirty three and a half is the average with Rodgers. Not a fully guaranteed contract. Over. No one was getting one after those two. So agents aren't pushing it the way they do. You need a quarterback to push the envelope. Maybe it's Dak. If Dallas has so much leverage, he has so much leverage with Dallas, provided he's not throwing the ball to the other team constantly, he can go, you know what? Here, Give me a blank contract. I'll fill it in. If you don't like it, then I'm heading to free agency because they can't franchise him. He's got that no franchise clause in there. He gets mm-hmm. the open market next year. If he comes off a year like he played in 2021, he could be the guy if he chooses to go that route. He likes Dallas, so I don't know in everything that comes with being the Dallas quarterback, right. so I doubt he's going to do that. But he potentially has the conditions in place, if he plays well, to push the envelope if he chooses to do so. About a decade ago here on local radio, I uh, I deigned to mention that maybe, just maybe, in the future, there'll have to be a separate quarterback cap or quarterback pocket of money in the NFL because of where the prices and, the, and you know, the, the tickets were going. Um, how do, and, and I know the, the whole structure now is, hey, draft a good one, and hopefully you win in his rookie deal. And then by that time, if he's matured and he becomes the face of the franchise, you've done enough winning, then you can start to strip away some of the more expensive pieces because more of the onus will fall on his shoulders. Where do you see this thing going in terms of the exploding numbers that we see, whether it's real money, funny money, AAV? Like, do you ever see a portion or a time where uh, the the NFL will say, okay, we have to have a, a, a quarterback room cap where you can spend this much money on your room or something of that nature so as to keep these um you know these centerpieces in sports not just football but these centerpieces in sports and faces of the franchise in certain places a la the bird rules in the nba and some of the other things where they try to keep some of these teams as stable as possible or do you see something where these teams who don't want to pay a guy but know that hey i can't go out and get another guy like the how does it benefit either side if there was a separate like quarterback cap or positional cap space um, I don't foresee that coming. The CBA runs through the 2030 league year, which to me is entirely too too long. That's the second 10-year CBA that's been done with no out. So a lot can change in 10 years economically. What we are going to see, which will mitigate some of these higher salaries for quarterbacks, is a salary cap explosion in the next couple of years, um, next few years, because we're going to have paid back most of the money, if not all of it, that need to be borrowed from future years to keep the cap from dropping because of the pandemic. And Mm. we have the new TV media rights deals uh, coming into play. So you're going to see significant salary cap growth, which will be able to uh, absorb the increasing salaries for um, quarterbacks. Now, the NBA has a soft cap with exceptions. You got multiple exceptions where you can exceed the cap. The The NFL cap has never been set up that way. It's a hard cap, except there is one big exception, which started with the 2011 CBA. That that CDA allowed for you to carry over unused cap room from one year to the next. So if you don't spend a ton of money, and the Browns have been doing this for years when they didn't have really good players, was they'd have $25 million in cap room. They roll over to the next year. So they'd have an adjusted cap, which was much higher than the actual cap. Um, so you can end up going over the league-wide cap if you have a lot of carryover room. You do have to spend 90% the cap and cash over three-year periods. This is the final year of the uh, first three-year period. Um, the Bears are the only team heading into this offseason, which was tracking under the 90% spending, which is why they've had to spend a lot of money this year to make sure that they don't become the first team never to hit the spending minimums, which they're, they're going to end up being okay. But um, that adjusted cap thing allows you to basically have a higher working salary cap and that's what the Eagles had this year because they had so much cap at carryover space. It was higher than um, the mm. league average, whereas Kansas City had basically no carryover room. And I think between the incentives that were earned that were not likely versus the likely ones which weren't earned, they have to reconcile that each year. Their actual adjusted salary cap was slightly lower, lower than the league-wide cap. So you mm. had a really disparity between the working salary caps between the two Super Bowl participants this year. It was like a good $20, $25 million spread. Uh, that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, Joel Corey joining us here on the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. 
Joel, you mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think, um, you know, I've been documented here on this podcast and wherever I've had a chance to speak about it. I wanted the Bears to take Jalen Carter if he was available. And the Philadelphia Eagles and Harry Roseman saw uh, an opportunity. You know, they've got the insulation shall we say, in that locker room with a lot of veterans. Of course, they're on a Super Bowl. Uh, they're in their Super Bowl window now. So the the, ne- the necessity for him to be great or for him to you know do anything extraordinary isn't so much. It's just about him learning how to become a pro and, and, and you know, working on his craft. Um, damage control. You know, you tweeted about damage control a couple of days ago. Uh, it was about a different player, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, all your stuff can be caught on CBSSports.com. How do you think the damage control went for Jalen Carter from the moment we started to learn about the incidents and then some of the, you know, um, the Georgia stuff started to come out in terms of practice habits and then you got the pro day. Like, how do you think that thing was handled uh, juxtaposed to the amount of talent and value you have with that pick, especially at nine? Well, it wasn't a major slip because the best he was going to go was number three because that's where the first defensive player was taken. So I assume that you were still going to have quarterbacks go one and two if he'd been a clean prospect. Um, so, yeah, that's a significant drop in money, but it's only six slots. I think there's enough lead time where you could start counteracting some of the damage control. He didn't help himself after the racing incident came out and he ended up taking the plea by coming into the pro day overweight, not finishing the workout. Um, also what I read after the fact didn't help them that the Georgia coaches were candid, <laughs> didn't do many favors by what they were telling other teams. So, uh, Drew Rosenhaus's agent has experience in damage control from multiple players. He's been around longer than I have in this, than I was in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 1995, he had a defensive tackle that was supposed to be a top three pick. Ended up going 12 to the Buccaneers and Warren Sapp. So it's like he's been there, had that situation before. So um, having, I'm sure he prepped him on what to say and how to act when he was doing interviews with teams. And I'm not talking to anyone who's not in the top 10. Uh, kind of set that as the floor and goes nine. Probably did the best he could probably do under the circumstances, particularly when you got your own coaching staff not mm-hmm. doing any favors. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt about it. The thing is, Philadelphia has Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham on that defensive line. Both guys who have been around forever, plus his old teammate Jordan Davis is there. So it's set up for an environment for him to succeed. And I think uh, Harry Roseman must be a big Ray Charles fan if you get that one. Georgia on my mind is probably his favorite song. (laughs) (laughs) He got half the damn defense on the uh, like from the start. He traded for a Georgia running back from the Lions and DeAndre Smith. Yeah, shout out, to, shout out to the SEC scout who just had to sit in Atlanta. You know, and, yeah, I wonder and, and, how he yeah. Roseman's changed his ringtone to Ray Charles. <laughs> I can dig it. I can dig it. Uh, speaking of another Georgia defender who is no longer a Bear, uh, it was the first real standoff for Ryan Poles as a general manager. You know, the game of chicken that he had to play with Roquan Smith trades Roquan during the season. Roquan goes to Baltimore, changes their defense, turns them back into what we are used to seeing the Ravens operate at and then they pay Roquan Smith and a lot of people here and they say oh you're not going to pay that much money for an off the ball linebacker in this defense like the the um the the message had been sold right the the value apparently of Roquan Smith had diminished so much so in Bears fans eyes because now he was on the way out you had to kind of you had to kind of rationalize the loss uh but then in the offseason he pays Tremaine Edmonds a sizable amount of money off the ball linebacker not a pass rusher Looking back on it, you know, how do you think we will talk about the Roquan Smith uh, departure and then the money that Tremaine Edmonds got? Uh, and I know he's, you know, uh, as young as he is, captain for the Buffalo Bills, like he's been around winning over the last couple of years, terrific uh, locker room dude. But what'd you make of that situation in terms of not spending money on that guy and then spending money on Tremaine Edmonds? Well, if Polls hadn't said in the press conference with the trade, we weren't going to pay the type of money for the position. That'd be one thing. If I recall correctly, he did say we're not going to spend that type of money on this position. So then you go out and pay a guy comparable money. It's, just, it's less, 20 million versus 18. Uh, Roquan has better guarantees. But I'm like, that's a curious move. And then you're playing him in the middle, whereas you move Roquan from the middle to the weak side 
put it, played him out of position. He goes back to a defense where he plays in the middle, where he thrived before Eberflus got there, and makes first team all pro. So how they handled Roquan and playing him out of position, now they decided we're gonna put uh Edmonds in the middle is a little curious to me. But as long as Edmonds plays well and the Bears take a step forward, mm-hmm. Bears fans aren't going to care what Roquan Smith does. Now, if Roquan plays like he did last year and makes another first-team All-Pro, Edmonds doesn't live up to the money, then that's where there's going to be scrutiny for that particular position. What do agents and the like say about dealing with the Bears, whether it be, you know, not just now, but Ted Phillips before, I mean, the McCaskey family, you know, they, anytime they're on Monday Night Football, you know, we we see Virginia McCaskey up there in the booth and they talk about how she's the matriarch of one of the league's most historic franchises. But when, when you're in, in the, the passings and goings of, of negotiations, uh, where do the Bears stand in terms of money and how they how they negotiate? Their contract negotiators have changed. Um, I dealt with Cliff Stein a long, long time ago when he was a negotiator. When Ryan Pace came in, he brought someone in from New Orleans and he didn't take that role. Cliff Stein reassumed it last year, brought someone from the league office um, to train to really take that role back over. Um, my one experience with um, Cliff Stein was great. It was an unrestricted free agent, Keith McKenzie, years ago, who mm. played there for one year. Um, under the old draft system, I had to work off of a deal that Cliff did where in 06, he took advantage. I don't know how this deal got done. It was below the slot for Mark Bradley. His dad, Danny Bradley, was the agent. And we had... Um, Winston Justice in the same slot with the Eagles. I remember dealing with Howie Roseman and telling him this deal is below market. So we had to do two negotiations. We had to negotiate, agree on what the slot should have been. And that was one negotiation. Then do our own negotiation based on what the deal should have been because it was below market. So Cliff did good deals for the Bears when he could. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget, you guys did pay a quarterback, so you're not afraid of playing pay, uh, paying players. You did pay Jay Cutler near top of the market money um, as a quarterback in, I think, 2014 or 15, 13, something like that. You went out and got um, Julius Peppers, paid him at the top of the market in free agency, so the Bears hadn't been afraid to spend um, for the right players. As we let you go here, what are people saying about the Bears this season? Uh, you know, the, the wide receiver room has been uh, – you know, added to depth wise and also at the top to push it down with the DJ Moore acquisition for the number one pick and the number nine also. Uh, and, you know, the the running back room, I mean, you know, you just mentioned Roshan Johnson, who I think is going to be one of the better rookies in this draft class uh, in terms of productivity for the Bears. What, what, what What's the scuttlebutt right now about how people feel about the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields and Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren and this new stadium deal? Like there's, there's some good energy around this team right now, but nationally, what's being said? Yes, yeah, a division and transition. Um, the Lions should be the class of division the way they finished the year last year. Packers, question mark at quarterback. Vikings have to regress back to the mean. You can't have a negative point differential, have that many wins. There's something off about that. Bears have made a lot of improvements to the roster. Fields last year, subpar offensive line. Weapons on the outside were substandard compared to other teams. So it's he really has tools around him where I don't know if they make the playoffs, but I can see them ending up second in the division. That, see, that's that's what I've been saying. And my man Tony Gill is looking at me like I'm crazy, our producer here on this this program. I, I think that the division is not that good. And like you mentioned, everybody on the Vikings defense seems like they either can't play or in a wheelchair, right? Like they, they, there's some old dudes. I secondary I don't trust at all. At some point, the Kirk Cousins thing is going to be found out. I mean, well, then the, I, their, their uh, GM said, oh, we're not above doing an extension for Cousins. I'm like, you converted $20 million of a $20 million roster bonus in March. If you're going to do an extension, that was the time to do it. Right. I think they really want to get off that Cousins train because he's had the upper hand ever since they signed him to that fully guaranteed contract, gave him a no franchise tag clause. So if you look at who's made top of the market money in cash since he signed, he's way up there because they always have to do something with him. And he hasn't let him off the hook. Only way to get off the hook is to let that thing expire and go a new Mm -hmm. direction. 
but they don't have a ready-made replacement for him. So yeah. <laughs> I was surprised by that statement, but a team with that record last year and that negative point of a negative point differential, I called them a fraudulent team. I, I, I was like, if they want a playoff game, I'll be shocked last yeah. year. Yeah. And, and you were correct. Uh, quickly also, uh, the the declining of fifth year options it, does it seem like it's more this year than in previous years and does that speak to uh, maybe a poor draft does it speak to development or positional uh, value like what do you see in that because I've seen more decline for uh, fifth year options than I'm used to seeing or is it just anecdotal for me no I think uh, don't quote me on this I think only twelve were exercised the 2020 CBA changed something. It used to be the fifth year option was guaranteed for injury upon exercise and then became fully guaranteed the first day of the fifth year, the option year. Now you exercise it. It's fully guaranteed upon exercise. So you're stuck with the guy. That's why some teams like Jordan Brooks, they came out and said, we see him having a future here towards ACL late in the year, I think week 17. So they don't want a $12.7 million fifth-year option for him. He's going to play at some point this year. Um, the flip side of that is you decline it like Daniel Jones. He goes out and plays well enough. Then you kind of wish you had the uh, basically free look. The one that surprised me was uh, uh, number two with the uh, Chase Young, the, um, mm. the commanders. Rookie of the year, then not playing well second year, then Slow recovery last year because he had multiple things going on with that knee, had no sacks, turn it down. If he looks like the guy they drafted number two, they're going to regret turning down an option for over $17 million. If I'm him, I take it as, you know what, you have no faith in me. You better franchise me if I play well. Otherwise, I'm going someplace else. So that was one where if you had the injury guarantee um, and it became fully guaranteed later on, you would have exercised because you would have gotten a free look, but they decided to go another direction. To me, they're not paying a quarterback anything, so they could have afforded it. I would have done it, uh, let them play it out. And you have Montez Sweat, who's in a contract here. You only franchise one. I would have had kept the option to trade Young if I if I could um, going into next offseason. Now he's going to be free. So if he plays well... He's he's going to have a lot of leverage. Ladies and gentlemen, that is contracts and cap expert and also writer for CBSSports.com, Joel Corey. Joel, thank you so much. You always bless us with the knowledge. You always keep me focused because I need to have this information when I go into some of these stupid arguments with my friends and family. So I truly appreciate you for dropping the knowledge on us and the, the listeners here at the Full Go Podcast, my man. Hey, thanks for having me. Always, Joel Corey right here on the Full Go. It's the Full Go, baby! That's all the time we have for episode 239 of the Full Go Podcast, brought to you by The Ringer. Of course, Spotify is the gang. want to thank our production staff. They're always happy to be here and never here at the same time. I, I love Steve Cerruti because we are on the group chat. And we get to see his beautiful family on Instagram, but we don't get to see our guy as much as we used to. He is the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, uh, the fly guy, the smooth criminal, the man himself, Chris Sutton, and of course, my main man, Tony Gill. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff. want to thank Joel Corey for joining us as well from CBSSports.com, always giving us the lowdown on what's happening with the financials in the NFL. want to thank you as well for downloading this thing. want to thank you for subscribing to it, following it, sharing it with your family and friends, rating and reviewing it, giving it the five stars you know it needs. If not, we're going to see you in the streets. Make sure you keep that voicemail line close to you, near and dear to your heart, 773 773- 3593103773593103 we will talk to you on sunday right we got some more baseball to talk about matt mervis will make his major league debut for the chicago cubs at wrigley field on friday always fun to see a debut so we'll talk about that and we'll talk about the chicago white Sox trying to throw back-to-back-to-back series together after their win streak is snapped against the Minnesota Twins. So we'll do all of that on Sunday and much more. Talk more about the NBA playoffs. But until then, we leave you with this. As always, take care of each other, be safe, and remember to stay sucker-free.
there's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.